This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your start for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Boo! Did I scare you? You caught me off guard. Okay, good. I'm glad I succeeded a tiny bit in interrupting your normal daily routine. Well, since The Conjuring scared me so much, there's not much left for you to scare. You can handle anything now. Yeah. Well, this is part two of episode number 58 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie The Conjuring. So if you're looking for part one, you're listening to the wrong file. Go away. We don't want you here. If this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one, or at least after you've seen the film. Again, this is part two, so if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening right now and go check out part one one of our episode on The Conjuring. Otherwise, we're going to tell you exactly who gets conjured, what they're conjuring, how they're conjuring it, and you wouldn't want that. I'm going to assume if you're listening, you've already seen the film and you don't need a a description of the plot. So before we dive into things, I need to introduce our very special guest, We've had him on the show once before, and you can also find him now every week co-hosting Avenging Angels with me. That is our new weekly podcast all about the Showtime series Dexter. Charlie Nash, welcome back to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. No problem, glad to have you on the show. Before we really dive into things, here's a clip. Ed, Ed, we're getting something. Just Cindy. No, 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 wait, 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 we need this. Why don't we need pictures of Cindy? She didn't trigger it. What do you mean she didn't trigger it? Somebody's with her. Who? Well, Charlie, in part one, we discovered that Monica really, really loved The Conjuring. I liked it, but I kind of thought it was just okay and not nearly as good as Insidious. What did you think of The Conjuring? I thought it was an incredibly effective horror film, especially for one that is a mainstream horror film. I, I just found it to be a really nice homage to old school haunted house movies. I liked the fact that it didn't have to use buckets of blood to scare us. 
uh, especially since this is coming from James Wan, who uh, became famous through the first Saw film. Um, it's clear that he has matured as a filmmaker, and um, he's a lot more confident of a director. I thought that the characters were pretty interesting. One of the reasons I found it to be so effective is because I actually cared whether these people lived or died, which, if you don't care about the characters in a horror film, it can pretty much turn into an unintentional comedy. I thought the performances were great. It's great to see Lily Taylor in particular uh, back in the movies, because she's been absent for a little while. I liked the fact that it was a slow burn. It didn't just rush into uh, shoving, you know, ghosts in our face, uh, and it took its time. And due to the fact that it was patient and had a very effective buildup, it made the big climactic scares feel both earned, and it also made them even more frightening. You know, I just thought it was a really fun time at the movies. I will say, Charlie, I, I do think you're right when you praised Lily Taylor. I thought she gives a great performance mm-hmm. in The Conjuring. She really sells a woman who not only is terrified at the beginning, but gradually becomes more and more possessed by Satan. <laughs> I thought she really sold it. And I would almost recommend that people go see the film just for her, even though I don't think it really holds together very well overall. I, I, I liked the movie, but I, I just it just kind of left me wondering about some things. For example, why is it called The Conjuring? Can someone answer that for me? Don't fall for it, Charlie. I'm restraining myself. I fell into <laughs> it. It's because The Exorcist is copyrighted, damn it. Well, someone on Twitter told me that the original title was supposed to be The Warren Tapes, but that was there were rights issues with that or something, so they went with The Conjuring. And The Conjuring is a fine title for a horror movie, if your horror movie happens to be about a conjuring. But at no point in this movie is there, like, a seance or anything where they're actually trying to, like, call or summon the demons into this world. There is a picture of a seance in the credits. Oh, okay, okay. Someone did tell me that the backstory they give to the house, where there was, like, the witch that killed her baby or whatever, that that was arguably a conjuring. So I guess it's technically an okay title. It just strikes me as really weird that you would call a movie The Conjuring and then not have a major scene where there's a conjuring. I, I mean, like, James Wan isn't really good at naming his movies. I mean, why is it called Saw, apart from, you know, the guy saws his leg off? Because there's a saw, and the, the saw becomes a major part of the movie. And Insidious, yes, there's an insidious force attacking yeah. the house. Some evil spirit comes on up, so that's, like, con. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, my point is, like, saw, and the saw and saw is, like, you know, like, less than two minutes. I, I don't know, but, like, I, I guess the, the, the title didn't really bother me. It wasn't like it was, I, I wasn't left thinking, oh, why is this called The Conjuring? Maybe why because... Why is this called Fluffy Unicorns and Rainbows? Yeah. <laughs> it is terrifying. <laughs> I know, and it, I, I, I'm not really bringing it up as a complaint. It just kind of struck me as really, really weird. Man, when you do not like a film... I will nitpick it. Will that is nitpicking. Throw vultures onto it, man. You will find them and throw them onto the carcass, because you don't want it anymore. 
I, I guess the movie, you know, it, I was just so into it when I was watching it that I just didn't think, why is this called The Conjuring? Also, I just think that it does a lot of, like, it's not very original. I mean, when it comes down to it, we've seen this movie done before, but it's done so well. Like, I, I think that James Wan knows how to use a camera and knows that, in order to make an effective horror film, you need to know how to use sound. You need to know how to cr- construct creative shots that especially, you know, I'm always a sucker for like, you know, the camera goes down, like at following a character down a flight of stairs and you can't see what it is. There is a tracking shot in the beginning where they first move into the house. That's all one shot that was almost like a Paul Thomas Anderson shot for me. That almost reminded me of the opening in Boogie Nights. Um, I, maybe that's too big of a compliment, but like, I just really liked the way it was shot. Michael Phillips from the Chicago Tribune even said it was uh, shot like a Robert Altman film. And while I didn't think that watching it, I think that that's accurate. Um, it, it, he just, it, James Wan just felt like he knew what he was doing and it felt like a confident, uh, confident supernatural thriller. I also think the characters worked really well. Um, you know, like, usually in these horror movies, and, you know, there are still moments where it's like, you stupid idiot, why are you sticking your arms, legs, hands, head, wherever you hear a scary noise? That's inevitable in a horror movie. But I was, like, seriously, care. I, I cared about them. And I liked the demonologist played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga because... Instead of them going to every single house, and as soon as they step in, they're like, I feel a spiritual presence in this house. There is evil in here. They, they're they the opposite. They're just like, oh, no, it's probably this. They're doubtful. They're not, like, convinced by everything. So when they, you know, they walk into this house not thinking there's going to be anything. And when they come to realize that there is truly evil spirits haunting this house, I, I totally bought it. I also think that they developed the Vera Farmiga character very well. I thought that she she and Lily Taylor were both very fascinating female characters for me in a horror movie. A, because they're not walking around in their bra and underwear in the middle of the night, you know, like every teen or teenager in a slasher movie does. And B, uh, I, I, they felt like real characters with real emotions and real flaws. You know, Vera Farmiga's haunted by a past that... Yeah, there are horror movies. In horror movies, a lot of characters are haunted by dark pasts, and they have to overcome their fears. Yeah, that's not the most unique character trait, but I totally bought it for this film, and it gave me motivation to root for them to survive, which it so few horror films do. I like that they didn't exactly tell you what messed her up, though. They kind of like, yeah. oh, she saw something in his eyes, and she got quiet for months. And <laughs> oh, <okay."> Yeah, <laughs> and, and it lets your imagination run wild. That's what I loved about this film, is it, it doesn't show you everything. It just it has little things, like the sound of a creaking door, or, you know, just shots of darkness. And yeah, the fact that they don't explain that, the ambiguity to it, it plays with your head, and, you know, it's it's very effective as a psychological thriller, as well as a supernatural thriller. See, I agree with you. I think technically, James Wan really knows how to use the camera and sound to raise tension and to make a creepy movie, but unlike Insidious, I just did not find these characters or this story very compelling, and I wasn't, I, I just could never quite find anything to really latch onto or, or to really understand about them. I feel like this is two movies here. You've got one movie that's about Lily Taylor being haunted and this demon and what it wants to do to her, and you've got an- another story about the Warrens and Vera Farmiga and her past and what the demon could potentially do to her, and those two movies just never really come together. Again, I totally disagree with you here because it's both the threat of this ghost 
impacting their motherly love for their children. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that happens in each one. And they're dealing with different things because, yes, on one hand, Lily Taylor has five daughters, so she has to keep track of all of them. And the other hand, uh, Vera Farmiga's uh, daughter was already feeling alienated and alone, and she, like, misses her parents. So it's different things, but they're different wedges that's being struck in between those kids and their parents. So that's what the mother has to deal with. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, let's talk about this Vera Farmiga stuff, because the opening scene of this movie with the, the doll is pretty creepy. Dolls are creepy. James Wan always has a doll in his films, too. Saw, Dead Silence. As, as soon as the doll came up, I'm like, yep, it's a James Wan movie. <laughs> yeah, and there's this whole room in their house devoted to these objects that could be vessels for demonic activity, and they talk about, oh, this stuff is potentially really evil, so we have a priest come bless the house. And I was just waiting the entire movie for that to pay off, for for something to happen and for there to be, like, dozens of angry spirits suddenly really <laughs> You really wanted off Ghostbusters but where that... their pre blew up after that guy shut off the but, power? But that's also how Insidious ended. He goes into the ghost world and there's, like, a bunch of evil spirits there. I mean, like, I liked Insidious, but... I love Insidious. Here's what, here's what I'm saying. There's no payoff to that at all. That all comes out of its freaking box. Why? <laughs> this is a very hostile podcast. <laughs> no, really, really. Explain to I, I was confused as to what Because happened. the evil witch is now starting to wedge between Vera Farminga and her daughter. So she puts the daughter's life at risk. But wait, 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 wait. Okay. There's a demon haunting Lily Taylor. And there's some, there's the locket yeah. or whatever that Vera Farmiga has. So did the demon, like see the locket, and then decide, oh, now I'm going to go haunt Vera Farmiga's Well, that's kid? what it alluded to, because he cuts to that locket swinging, like, four times. Right. I was I was trying to figure out, like, is this the same demon? Is this the demon that was in the doll? No, no I, think, I no. think it was the demon from the house that then unleashes the demon in the other house. Yeah, and uh, I guess, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that's not valid, but I guess in a movie where ghosts exist and it's all about, you know, it's about a haunted house, I guess that I was willing to suspend my disbelief and just accept that ghosts have magic killing powers. I mean, like, you know, the ring, like, how does she get into their TV and crawl through it and kill people? Like, I, I don't know, like, I, maybe I just, maybe I just let stuff like that slide easier. Well, here's the thing. Usually when you have a movie like this that's about ghosts, the spirits, they either have they've something specific they're trying to do or a certain body or a certain house that they're attached to. And I, I never quite figured out what the rules were in this movie. Like, at one point they say, oh, it's the, it's the spirit that's attaching the land. Mother and daughter. <laughs> I know, no, no, but wait, wait, wait. Mother... Daughter. <laughs> <laughs> one mother and one daughter. Mother and daughters. It's the it's also it's the next generation because when it's um the mother and the son, Rory, the little boy who's possessed in the little carnival weird box thing. Like little Oh the, the music box. Music box. Sure. Also, whenever there's a music box in a horror movie, uh, of course it's messed <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it was the mother that then she told me to kill him. It's the next generation. There's no continuation. 
No, I, I understand that the, the spirit originated when the killed creepy witch killed her baby, and it's attached. No, but if they say it's attached to the land, it's the, it's the spirit that haunts the land. Warren is kicking her off her land. So now she's kicking Warren out. Yeah, she became a threat. And, like, the, the I, that rule kind of rang true for me when Vera Farmiga says, no, if you leave the house, the ghost will follow you. I basically just assumed... Well, yeah, I was, I was like, wait, is the ghost attached to the land or is the ghost attached to the people? Make up your minds. I just let ghost. stuff... Yeah, it's, it, you know, like, with ghosts, I just accept that ghosts have different abilities within every know. movie. How about this? We don't know. Wait, how about this? We, we don't actually know because nobody stops and checks in with a ghost because it's just awful I, and attacking I think, people. Yeah, I just assume that since Vera Farmiga says, no, if you leave the house, uh, it'll follow you. Since Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson have entered the house and uh, they have made contact with them, it would be the same thing. I don't understand why they would just be like, you know, the ghost would be like, damn, they didn't actually buy this property, so I can't <laughs> I can't follow them, you know, like, I, I I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I would assume that if the ghost was attached to Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, they would realize it and know, and, you know, and Vera Farmiga would be able to sense it and be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't go home and bring this ghost home with us. So at first they say the ghost is attached to the land. Then they say, no, the ghost is attached to you people inside. And then suddenly, no, the ghost is attached through the lockets to the other house and their daughter. And I was like... Make up your mind. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've seen so many ghost stories, uh, like like The Ring, you know, like Samara follows Naomi Watts everywhere and they never really explain it. But it's scary, so it worked. Um, a lesser film, The Grudge, which literally has no plot. It's, plot. it's literally like, you enter this house, the ghost will haunt you, it will follow you anywhere and kill you. I guess I've just seen so many movies where the ghosts have such vague <laughs> rules. Yeah. yeah that, that, like... You know, when it's done not so well in a movie like The Grudge, where the ghost, the woman goes into the house, she takes a cab home, she goes to her apartment, she hides under her bed, and the ghost is under the covers and kills her. I guess, like, when this, something like this is done well, even if the rules aren't established in very clear terms, I just, you know, like, for me, ghost movie, uh, ghost stories are scary because they defy logic. Because, you know, ghosts just aren't real. Like, I just assume that that's what's so scary. It's like, you know, like, it's that feeling like you have when you run up the, when you shut off all the lights in your house and you have to go upstairs and you feel like someone's chasing you even though there's no one there. Like, you just get that, that fear of the unknown. And I just feel like unknown presences, unknown ghosts, since they're fictional, since they're just spiritual beings, I just accept that spiritual beings have spiritual powers that are far beyond their control. And I'm okay with that. I guess I've just seen many movies where it's been done worse. I can normally go with that, but the problem is this is a movie in which you have two characters that claim to know how these beings work. And they claim to know, yes, we're experts, we're demonologists, we've seen this before, this is what you need to do. But at no point is that that really clarified. Like, in Insidious... You've got the uh, the exorcist lady, whatever. She shows up. She's like, here's how the demon works. Here's what it's going to do. Here's how we're going to fix it. Hey, even in the exorcist, they messed up. There's a guy that dies. I know, but there's still rules. Like, it's in the girl. We have to exorcise it from the girl. The Conjuring, I there were many scenes where I was creeped out, but at no point did I feel invested in the character's 
or did I feel like I really understood what this spirit was or what it wanted? And like, there's this stuff with the, with Vera Farmiga's daughter at the house and the doll. There's one scene of that and then it never comes back and they never bring it up again. But that's all we need. But then it goes, they go after her and then it's like, it's yeah. like everything starts to go downhill from there. And that one scene was so effective that it didn't need to be played because they exercise, well, it's spoiler. Yeah. So they exercise the ghost yeah. out of Billy Taylor at the end. That's why it doesn't come back. And that, that's towards yeah. the end of the film. Well, right, but now is it like, okay, well, is the ghost also attached to their house and to the doll that it had used at one they point? They leave it kind of ambiguous. They leave it in the actual room. The fear of the unknown and the ambiguity is what makes it scary, or at they least for me. They leave you in the room with all those damn creepy toys. There's no ambiguity. They just have a random scene with the doll, and then it's done. <laughs> Wait, it cuts from the little mirror thing. The music box mirror. Yeah. Also, uh, to just change topics... It's funny that you say that you weren't emotionally attached to these characters because I liked Insidious fine. I thought it was a good film. I got a much bigger emotional reaction out of this film than I did with Insidious because I didn't really feel like Insidious, these characters were as well developed because the ghosts just come out like in the first half hour and then like it's basically just ghosts want my son. We're scared. Holy crap, he's possessed. Like, I, I just felt like they, you know, and this is this is stuff that horror movies usually do, like, horribly wrong. You know, like, Lily Taylor's background in that talk about the beach. As soon as it cut to the beach, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be so corny. And then when it came back at the end, it actually really worked for me. And usually that stuff just, like, makes me feel like, you know, like it's just sappy and they're just trying to emotionally manipulate you, but it felt vital to the themes of the film, and it felt vital to Vera Farmiga's character and how exercising the demon out of Lily Taylor not only helps Lily Taylor, but uh, Vera Farmiga and um, gives her the courage to be uh, stand up to the things that she's become afraid of. I thought that the beach stuff was a little bit corny. Lily Taylor managed to sell me on it for the most part with her performance, but Vera Farmiga's character, I thought, started out as a really fascinating character, and then I just thought they didn't really do anything with her. Like, they imply that she was possessed at one point, and Patrick Wilson is afraid that maybe she could become possessed again. But at no point in the movie does it actually appear as though that's an actual threat. Oh, I, I totally really, disagree. Yeah, she she got sick many times. Like, at one point, she's, like, bent over, and there's, like, a puddle of, like, vomit yeah. on the floor. And didn't you find it to be fascinating Wait, that... she's sick! From the clairvoyance. It, that's why it's bothering her, and he explains it. He explains it to Ron Livingston's character, the dad, that every time she does this, it takes a piece out of her. So there is a limit to what she's able to do. Yes. Yes, but what I'm saying is they had implied that she had once, for a brief time, been possessed, and it no, and that that could happen again. At no point during the exorcism or any of the proceedings did I feel like there was a demon trying to possess Vera Farmiga. All I got was, oh, she sees creepy things, and that traumatizes her. Well, didn't you at least find it to be interesting that the female characters in this film were the main characters, and that... They weren't teenagers in their underwear running around and, like, going, ah, and, you know, like, you know, just grabbing butcher knives and cowering in fear and then just, you know, they live it. I, I just found it to be really interesting how the wife of this demonologist couple ended up becoming the protagonist of this film. And I found it to be fascinating that Lily well, Taylor, well, 
I found their relationship a lot more equal. They relied on each other and they helped each other. Maybe I just found Vera Farmiga's character to be more interesting and I felt that Patrick Wilson had so the more straight... more of a badass, yeah, but... Yeah, Patrick Wilson had the more the straightforward... That, he's the one that does the exorcism. That is true. No, that, that's, so, that's a good point. So, like, point. they do help each other in a lot of things and he does the researching part, or she does the researching part and he does, like, the interviewing part and he's listening to those tapes. It did feel like a lot more of a straightforward role for Patrick Wilson's character, though, because that's, like, basically the same plot as The Exorcist. I'm done with exorcism. I can't do exorcism. Oh, no, never mind. I'm going to do it. And then Vera Farmiga's character, I found that, because it's really her emotional connection with Lily Taylor at the end that gets the demon out of her. And I just found that to be so refreshing that we don't need female characters who are the most gorgeous beauty queens. You know, it was about actual people. And these characters, yeah, sure, you know, the family is, you know, like any other horror movie family. I mean, sure, it's poltergeist. It's, uh, you know, it, whatever. I, I just felt that the film was... The moms are more important. Yeah, it's not... I, I'm not saying The Conjuring is, like, the scariest or most original horror film ever made. I'm just saying that, for me, it took a lot of common tropes that I thought could never scare me again, and it made them feel fresh, and James Wan knows how to create a creepy, spooky atmosphere. The film has a very great gothic, stylish look to it. It took its time. You know, we've seen this film before, but I can't recall the last time I've seen a haunted house film done so effectively. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe Insidious, but I think this is a stronger film than Insidious. I also think that... I like the fact that there isn't a high body count in this film, especially for an R-rated horror film. There's not a high body count. There's no, the ghost comes back one more time for one last scare like Insidious did, which I kind of saw coming and it just felt cheap and it kind of nullified the experience for me because it just got really silly. I like the fact that these characters had arcs that it, the horror was not just like we have, that James Wan wasn't like, I have to make this film scary at all times. That's what's most important is scaring people. He, he knows that he needs to balance the characters and the plot with the scares. And it, it, it told a good creepy story that it reminded me of a good campfire story, you know? You mentioned that The Conjuring is R. I don't know why the movie's rated R. Honestly, it probably should be PG-13. But what I heard, apparently it was, they, James Wan found it really hard to be PG-13. Yeah, because there's not a lot of blood or gore in it, and the ratings board basically said that it was just too scary. Which doesn't make sense. <laughs> just one more example of how the MPAA is a joke. Yeah. Well, I mean, do we need any more evidence? I've, I got. I mean, the sixth sense has, you know, ghosts with slit wrists and little kids with chunks of their heads blown off, like, assumedly from a gunshot. It didn't make a lot of sense to me at all, either. And I hope, I really hope that doesn't kill its chance at the box office. That's one thing that really pisses me off about the R rating, is I feel like teenagers would love this film, and... You know, like, I'm just so sick of torture porn. How many Saw sequels and Hostel sequels and everything? Like, there's just so many. And while it seems like Paranormal Activity is taking over for that, I even think that this is, you know, I, I liked the first Paranormal Activity fine, but, like, you know, it's kind of a one-trick pony that's done for 80 minutes, and I feel like it didn't have character development that was nearly this strong or writing that was this good or themes that were this deep. I feel like this is a, a really, really well-done horror film. Probably the best horror film I've seen this year, even a little over VHS 2, and I think probably the best mainstream horror film since Cabin in the Woods last year. I agree to an extent with what you said about the strong female characters and how 
regardless of how flawed I think some of the characterization is in the movie, I think that they at least try to do some interesting things with Vera Farmiga's character and Lily Taylor's character. But honestly, that wasn't the most interesting thing to me in regards to the female characters. Like, we've seen mothers being haunted before. We've seen female exorcists before. The really interesting thing to me was the fact that they had five daughters. (laughs) It was always these little girls that that were being haunted. And I was like, what is it about women in these movies being haunted by these spirits it just was it felt really weird to me i was like why aren't there any men being haunted in this movie they're not socially allowed to be scared hey hey man my dad has five sisters and he grew up in a house full of women so hey i i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know i just i don't think it's that uncommon to have a lot of siblings and i the fact that it's women maybe statistically though yeah Oh, I'm not saying that's the case. My mom is one of four girls. I just thought this it was weird, and it, uh, it was probably because this is based on a true story. But I was thinking, I was like, it's really unusual to see films in which a male lead is haunted most of the time. Usually, at least if, if you look at something like Insidious, usually the guy is the one who's like, no, no, it's nothing's really happening, you're just imagining things that are haunting you. It's it's, my, it's all in your head. What about 1408? Theory, oh, sorry. My theory is that it's socially unacceptable for men to be afraid. So it's a lot easier to make girls... tough and masculine. It's a lot easier to make girls scream. Right. The, the only time that's not the case is, like you mentioned, Charlie, with 1408, when, when there's a character who's like, no, I know all about this, and I can debunk it, and it's not real, and it, the whole movie is about proving them wrong. That's usually that's yeah. usually the male arc of all these movies. They think that nothing's happening, and then they come to realize that, no, something actually is happening. Do you think it could be possibly making any sort of social commentary on that? I have no idea. I mean, I wasn't thinking of that either. I wasn't thinking of it either, but, you know, like, wasn't... I, I, I don't here know. for boys. Yeah, but like I, 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 it just didn't bother me. I don't know. I just, I just didn't think about that. Mainly because I was scared. Like you know, I, I mean, it wasn't a film where I went home later that night and I was afraid to have nightmares and I was afraid to turn off my lights. But that's because I'm a pretty big horror fan. Um, well, how about this? We also live in a city. Yeah, weren't there moments that really like made you jump, or weren't there scenes that really got oh, under sure. your skin? Like, I, I feel like that's the most important. It's you know, like I go to a horror movie if if you know, it's like a fun house of thrills and chills. And if I if it gets me to jump and it gets me to be in the moment and forget my surroundings and just grip my armrest and gets my palms sweating, I, I that, that's what's most important to me. And then the t- and then the fact that the characters uh, have arcs uh, with interesting themes and whatnot only makes it stronger so Uh, there were some creepy sequences in the movie and i thought that the exorcism scene at the end in particular was really really well done and 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 there was a lot of tension there unfortunately i saw the trailer for this movie i did too how dare you i had been trying to avoid all the trailers and that trailer spoils what, in my opinion, is probably the creepiest scene in the movie, which is the hide-and-clap. Really? Because I saw the trailer, but it still worked for me. I, I, I Maybe I saw it, like, once, so maybe it wasn't as clear in my memory. 
they even changed some scares from the trailer. The scene with the music box in the trailer is very different than what it is in the film, and it's actually quieter and creepier, and there's no, like, she put, in the trailer, I think she's like, look in the reflection, and then you'll see her, and, like, she doesn't see her, and then she shuts the music box, and the ghost is, like, right in her face, and they have that sound effect. In the movie, uh, she actually just does see the little kid, and that's one of the creepiest scenes to me because there's no, like, loud shrieking noise and accompanying the reveal of this uh, ghost boy. It's just images of this ghost boy. I'm not even sure if there is a score. It's very uh, low-key ambient or or very subtle score. But moments like that where it wasn't, like, jump scares actually got to me. And it's just uh, – maybe I'm just a sucker for, you know, scenes where closet doors are creaking open. And I have – as I, I probably said this in the Dexter podcast on our last episode, but I have a very overactive imagination. So it's the stuff I don't see that scares me more. I just thought it was really well crafted. Didn't you think he did interesting things with the camera? There's one scene where a kid looks under a bed and then they have the camera upside down and they twist it over and it literally makes you dizzy. And I literally had to think, whoa, what am I looking at? And then that actually made me more tense because I was being disoriented. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think there are some creepy moments in the film, and I think technically it's really well done. But at the same time, a lot of this fancy camera work and these tense moments is stuff that was there in Insidious. And some of the same things, like with the kids and the mother having bruises and marks on them and stuff, I mean, that's from Insidious. I mean, I just felt like I had seen all of that from James Wan before, and what I was looking for was a more coherent story or a more coherent take on the characters or these demons to really kind of pull me in, and I didn't feel like the movie delivered much on that. But, I mean, I'm, I will happily grant you, yeah, it's a very well-made film, and there are some creepy sequences. I just didn't find them nearly as effective as those in Insidious. But the, the, the last thing I want to bring up is the fact that this is supposedly based on a true story. And the movie has this weird framing device where it comes up with the text on the screen explaining who the Warrens were... I liked it, and it did feel very old school, but then they close with this quote about, like, how, like, God is real, and the devil is real, and, oh, you should believe it, this stuff could happen, and it just kind of felt out of place to me, because I didn't feel like that was a driving theme of the movie, and it felt like that was something out of another horror film, like like The Exorcism of Emily Rose or something. That was a movie that kind of really played up this, oh, is, is the devil real? Could the devil be real? Could this stuff happen? Really? Because if you stayed and watched the credits, they're pictures of supposedly what were the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pictures of the Brown family, which is what it's based on. I know, I know. It just didn't strike me as very much of a quote-unquote God movie. <laughs> If that makes sense, that that there was a, that's a movie all about, yes, demons exist. Yes, you audience need to be aware of it. It seemed like a more traditional. So I didn't Bible thump you. I'm kind of okay with that. Me too. And like it, it, what the priests play a very minimal role, so it's almost like a worldly sort of take on exorcism. Well, right, which is kind of why the fact that they bring up that quote at the end and they're kind of like throw it in your face like yeah this is real and god and the devil they're real believe it 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 just kind of felt really out of place to me it's radical because it's the priests aren't the end-all be-all which they are in the catholic church it's a little almost more protestant in a sense where a person a regular lay person was able to uh perform the exorcism 
Right, though he is officially authorized by the Catholic Church. As, like, a deacon or something? Well, yeah, just him. As a demonologist. Is it a demonologist or that he's officially... In, in, in the opening text, did it say that he's the only officially recognized demonologist or he's the only officially uh, non-Catholic person who's allowed to perform an exorcist? No, they're Catholic. They're just not allowed. They're just not priest. He's not a priest because then he couldn't be married and have a child. So he's okay to do the exorcism as a Catholic layperson because they have the crosses everywhere and they clearly consult a lot with priests. I, I take it that they're Catholic. But what did it say in that opening text. I don't know, Andrew. I forgot to take my phone out and take a picture of it while security guards were right on my front. <laughs> well, I was writing down every single word on my notepad. <laughs> well, the iconography is everywhere. The guy's wearing it. She's walking around with the rosary tied around her hand for over half the movie. What I'm saying is the movie itself never really plays that up. Like, oh, this could actually happen. This is a real thing. Hey, audience, you should... Uh... Oh, it's based on a true story. They say it at the beginning, and they do all the cases in the middle. I always take the based on a true story line with a grain of salt. As I said to Monica at the end of the film, to me, there's a very fine line between based on and true story. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on a true story. I like the fact that they didn't try, they didn't, they weren't focused on like, look how real this is. Don't you believe us? Like, look how, look, like, look how convincing we are. It's not the true story stuff that I'm concerned with as much as just how much they, they're, they're focusing on that idea of the supernatural being something the audience should take seriously because we've seen a ton of movies about the supernatural and exorcists, even bad ones like The Right, for example, oh, where that. they make a big deal about people and priests in particular, like struggling with, oh, is this real? Will these exorcisms work? Does the devil even exist? How seriously should we take this? And that's like becomes a main theme of the film and something that it's really trying to wrestle with. This movie seemed really not focused on that at all, kind of just, like, takes it as a given, hey, this demon haunted this family, and we're gonna show you what happened. But then in the text, is very much like, yes, God exists, the devil is real, you should be careful, believe it. It's just your opinion, man. It really is. I really don't buy it. I don't buy it. Because there's iconography everywhere, she has a rosary taped to her hand over half the movie, he has the chain of the cross, he, they consult with priests, they ask that their kids have been baptized, it's like a big deal throughout the whole movie, it's not forgotten. So the fact that it surprised you at the end is kind of surprising me. I'm just saying that within the film itself, it never feels preachy, and then that text is suddenly very preachy. Oh, I, I, preachy. I think that's being too harsh, man. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. You're reading way too much into it. It's a, so that's what they believe, and then we see the whole movie of what they believe. Like, it didn't really have a huge impact on me, because A, I don't believe that this film is that accurate of a depiction of the real story because I just take that whole thing with a grain of salt because we've seen so many horror movies based on true stories before. And um, on top of that, like I just felt like with Monica, I felt that the, uh, the iconography was present throughout. So I think that it was just enough. The quote wasn't one of my favorite things at the end of the movie, but I was like, okay, that ties the themes together and they didn't hit us over the head with this throughout the film because if they just paused the movie and then just had like quotes like that throughout the movie or they had to keep just like cutting out of the drama to just repeat the rules 
like it just kind of takes me out of it. I just kind of liked that they had the based on a true story intro, the iconography throughout that was uh I I agree with Monica very subtle and then they just had the quote to end it and it didn't feel that heavy-handed and this is coming from someone who is I identifies as agnostic and is not religious whatsoever. Well, it, it it's the fact that that's the way they chose to end the movie. Like instead of just ending the film and having the story and then maybe having a little text come up on the screen that says, hey, this is what happened to the Warrens next. The end. It's the fact that the last thing, the last image of this film, the thing that, that the last impression they want to leave the audience with is this quote that's very in your face, God is real, the devil is real. And I identify as Christian, and that just, even that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Just kind of like, wait, that just doesn't feel tonally like it comes naturally from what we just saw. Like, that's the kind of forceful tone you want to be taking here. I will say this, and uh, the ending for this film worked a lot better for me than the ending of Insidious, which the last ten minutes of Insidious, for me just became really, really silly with Patrick Wilson just yelling, bitch, and strangling this person, and like, oh no, it's back for the last scare! Like, it's just, <laughs> I just saw that coming, and it was so goofy, and it just totally took me out of it. The ending for this film worked a lot better for me than the ending of Insidious. It just worked for me. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on this. I liked The Conjuring, but... Stop lying. The Conjuring is much better than the vast majority of mainstream horror films out there, okay? I like The Conjuring. I know it sounds like I'm crapping all over it. I think it's a fine movie, but I I do not love it nearly as much as I love Insidious. I don't think it holds a candle to Insidious. And as someone who went into this kind of expecting and hoping for another Insidious, I was disappointed in that respect. Is there anything else either of you would like to say about The Conjuring? Go see it, because it's scary. Yes, (laughs) I recommend it. It's fun. All right, well, that'll wrap it up for part two of our discussion of The Conjuring here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be discussing the sequel to The Conjuring, The Wolverine. (laughs) Yeah. I don't see Lily Taylor in the credits for that one. (laughs) I can't wait for Vera Farmiga to... Be a clairvoyant <laughs> Just, in the X-Men universe. <laughs> <laughs> It'll have Vera Farmiga like, spraying like, holy water all over Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Amen, <go>. sister. <laughs> <Yeah>. Demon! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mutants are evil, sinners of Satan! Yeah. <laughs> we would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes, so if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, Navigating the Newsroom, our latest show, The Nerdy Projectors, and our show all about Dexter Avenging Angels. Charlie, where can people find more of you and your work? Listen to me and Andrew discuss the final and eighth season of Dexter uh, with Avenging Angels on iTunes. You can also find my articles that I've written for your magazine, Emerson, at issue, I-S-S-U-U dot com slash your mag Emerson. And I'm also on Twitter at CT Nash 91. Monica, where can people find more of you and your work? 
People can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my reviews at bostononlinefilmcritics.com at bofca.com. And now can listen to me and my friend Michelle Bookman at the Nerdy Projectors podcast as part of Film Geek Radio. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema or conjuring up evil spirits of your cheese. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!